0: How's going, everyone? Joe Gagnon here, welcoming you to edition number 61 of Joe vs. the World. This show is a sequel of sorts to another very popular show, our two-part history of WrestleMania. But this time, appropriately enough, it's the history of SummerSlam. And joining me on this fantastic voyage, none other than Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you
1: doing? Um, quite despondent, actually. Oh. Why is that? It's, uh, this is it we're done here. Yeah. Wrapping it up. Terrible. Yeah. The old team on the scrap heap. Wow. I mean, I'm trying to. I mean, it feels like a wake of sorts. It feels like anything but the biggest party of the summer.
0: Well, (laughs) the biggest wake of the summer, I don't think has. Okay.
1: uh... What do you think is the bigger party of the summer? This this podcast episode or SummerSlam?
0: Oh, this podcast for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yep. I'm in a Hawaiian shirt and I've Sunscreen on my nose. Awesome. So.
0: Great. Ladies. (laughs) We were uh, hoping to get uh, Matt Foy on. He was on the WrestleMania show, of course. Sadly, uh, timing didn't really work out. We'll do our best to get him on for the finale. But we shall persevere. Yes. Now, SummerSlam is one of the the big four pay per views, as they're called. And they call that because it was one of the original WWF pay per views. You had WrestleMania, of course, which debuted in 85. Survivor Series came about in 87. Uh, the Rumble came about in 88, but was not on pay-per-view until 89. And SummerSlam came around in 88 as well. And besides the occasional one-shot shows like uh, This Tuesday in Texas, that was the entire pay-per-view calendar until King of the Ring was added in uh, 1993, which is kind of crazy if you think about there. seems to be a show every week nowadays.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Um Yeah, I guess there there really is no fascinating story behind SummerSlam, the same way uh, the other two shows were uh, inaugurated to to screw with Crockett. Yeah. SummerSlam just kind of showed up because, you know, hey, let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. The um... The
1: pay-per-view was just, uh, it was kind of in its infancy, and um, so WWF was just starting to figure out uh, how lucrative it would be.
0: That's right. And this should be an easier show to recap than say the history of the Royal Rumble. Since it's not, not a gimmick show per se, it's just a uh plain old wrestling card.
1: hmm What um most people refer to it as the number two show of the year. Others say the Royal Rumble. I say the Rumble's number two. I would agree. I was gonna debunk those people. I guess because you wait like half a year and then between WrestleMania, so that's probably why. Yeah. Whereas Rumble's just a precursor. Yeah. Analyzing prelude to it all. I but think the... R- I think Rumble does better
0: business. Yeah, I was about to say, the Rumble usually has a bigger buy rates, so... I would say most that would make it the number two mm-hmm. show of the year. But uh, interesting to note, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, who did all those early WrestleManias, never did any commentary together for a SummerSlam, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But what what, what, are you, what are your memories of SummerSlam? What do you think of... As a, a youngin, did you look forward to that being the summertime?
1: Yeah, um, largely for the reason you just brought up, because um, after WrestleMania, nothing happened until uh, July or August. You just kind of watch and then wait for um, watch the syndicated shows and wait for two people to bump into each other. you <laughs> like, hmm, uh-oh. This could be promising. What are they going to do over the next four months?
0: Yeah, there, there was actually a five-month gap. Back in the day, between uh, WrestleMania and and SummerSlam, and really not a lot happened after WrestleMania. You would get, um, that would be, I guess, the occasional angle or what have you, but there wouldn't be, like, SummerSlam hype central or anything like that. It was just, you just watch shows and you watch matches, and that was it.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of missed that, you know? It was rather charming, yes. I I mean, if people, if they went back to that, people would lose their
0: minds. (laughs) I'm sure, but yeah. I was like that. And uh I think we should probably mention uh Chris Benoit who will be discussed at length and uh well not at length, but it will be mentioned in probably the second part
2: mm-hmm.
0: of this show. And um after those that uh that uh, tragic incident, I think we were all talking like like uh what do what do we do here, you know? It's kind of the elephant in the room. Should we acknowledge this? Should we even do a show? And I don't know about you. I'm I'm at the point where I was actually watching the uh the Ladder Match DVD and a couple Crispin matches. I was like, oh, and I was like, I thought, you know, gee, this is weird. But I wasn't like repulsed, where I had to turn off the TV.
1: Yeah, I I'm in the the same boat. Maybe we're monsters, but uh, probably. No, I mean obviously we were we were anti murder yeah. time, and I remain that to this day. <laughs> and it was very weird, you know. Maybe the strangest and most horrible thing that ever happened. But I guess it's kind of sad that um, what now is it like two. Less than two months later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually put in the the Benoit DVD. Myself, <laughs> like, bring it on. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get past this. Let's see what happens. And it, I, it was pretty much the same reaction as you, where I was like, "Hey, these matches are great." <laughs> oh wait.
0: Oh yeah. This is
1: strange.
2: Yeah. This I'm is
1: cool. Actually much worse was when I was uh skimming through some observers in uh research for this show mm-hmm. and uh the two thousand one uh SummerSlam had some blurb about Benoit's recovery Oops. from his next surgery and um it was like, Well, you know, he's sad that he um his the biggest push of his career was a, uh, aborted and he's missing time now, but at least he gets to watch his son, uh, grow up. who was it, like one uh, years old at the time, and I was just like, oh. Uh, yeah. Oh Nevertheless, boy. You know, there's wrestling matches to talk about. That's right. We gotta, we gotta do it. We're like the talk show hosts after 9 after 11. Gotta go back to work. Yep. Don't want to, but, uh,
0: Gotta do it. Alright.
1: That's
0: right. Well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. 1988, the first SummerSlam. These are not, these are not, they are no Roman numerals or, or what have you afterwards, so we'll just have to go by year.
1: The first SummerSlam from Madison Square. Sorry, let's go with the year, but with the first two numbers cut off by an apostrophe.
0: Okay, SummerSlam apostrophe 88. Thanks. All right, this was uh, the first one from Madison Square Garden. Had a main event of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant with Jesse Ventura as a special ref. It's kind of it's kind of a, a weird show. You had a mix of some good stuff, some really memorable stuff that wasn't maybe technically good, and uh, really kind of like squashes to get guys over. And I, I guess the most memorable thing was the Ultimate Warrior uh, squishing the honky tonk man in 31 seconds to end his uh, what was it 15 month IC title reign. And I mean that's that still gets replayed a lot uh, now. But if you weren't there back then, you really can't understand how awesome that was. You can see how excited the crowd is, and like that was just—it was just a wonderful moment that uh, you know they you still see all the time whenever they hype SummerSlam.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, without question, that's pretty much the only thing from that show you put in the permanent vault, I guess, except for Elizabeth's sexuality. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it's really reflective of uh, just the <clears throat> lay of the land at the time where. Um, the emphasis was still so strong on house shows, and it sort of shifted uh, gradually. Um, cause it's like the the pay-per-view spectacular of the year, but um, the, they didn't want to use any of the, the big house show feuds. No. Um, like Jake Roberts and Rick Rude were having their famous uh, program at that point and didn't even wrestle because they had to keep the heat on the house shows.
0: Yeah, they were having that, that heated feud over uh, Jake Roberts' wife, and on the show, uh, Rick Roode fought the Junkyard Dog, and Jake Roberts did interfere, but then Jake fought uh, Hercules, and Rick Roode, I don't know, he was in the crapper or something, because he didn't do anything, and you look, I mean, there was a, you know, a, a tag title match, Demolition and the Hart the Foundation, and, but really, there was just, you know, like, Bad News Brown and Ken Patera, I don't remember being a terribly heated match, or heated feud, I should say, or the big boss man and Coco Beware, just, you know, I mean, I'm, we were pretty pumped back in the day, but <laughs> look at it now, it's like, wow, they got away with a lot back then.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, well, you imagine if, um, uh, if, like it was set in in 2002 or something where um, Hogan and Rock wrestled at WrestleMania, and then the, the main event on Raw the very next night was mm. um, Hogan and Rock versus the Outsiders.
2: Yeah. If it was
1: in 1988, that could have been your your SummerSlam main event. Yeah. But um,
0: I mean the main event is a tag match. It, it was you know it was fine. I had the memorable Elizabeth dropping her skirt. Jesse was a special guest referee and.
1: Uh, he, loves, he loves to guest referee at SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, he does. He would return to that some 11 years later. And uh, also the opening tag match, the British Bulldogs and the Fabulous Rougeos, which went to a draw. Uh, that was a good match. And uh, I, I mean, this isn't the best show ever, but it's got enough going for it. I'd give it a thumbs up. And definitely better than WrestleMania four of that year.
1: Uh would agree. Rougeos and Bulldogs... Wasn't that like a, just a, a couple months or a few weeks before they had the, the infamous backstage incident? Oh, that's right.
2: Kids. Oops.
1: Story that that Observer Live caller who calls in and asks about who has heat, he masturbates for that story <laughs> this very day. <laughs> yes, that one. As we all know. Sure. It's one of his top five heat-related mm. masturbations in, in wrestling. Excellent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's, it hadn't happened yet, so there's no real, the real interesting thing with the Survivor Series, uh, when they were on opposite sides and eliminated one of the teams early so they can leave while the <laughs> other team's still in the match.
0: Yeah, so they did not get the crap kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But
1: again, I mean, the time limit draw on pay-per-view, because it's, you know, not, not a, a thoroughly satisfying show up and down.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should mention, uh. Bruce Beefcake was supposed to get the title shot until Outlaw Ron Bass took him out in a disgusting manner because they they showed the big red X when uh, I think he stomped on him with his spur or something.
1: Disturbing.
0: Very disturbing.
1: That fabrication brought him, I guess, karmic dislike from uh, the forces of uh, humanity because he would miss the IC title match two years later again.
0: That's right. He had some bad luck at... uh, but he had good luck at uh, SummerSlam '89, which Segway um,
1: Master Gagney bests yes! this very day. From me. He's hanging it up. I can't believe it.
0: Well, we gotta, we gotta persevere. Yep. This show was in East Rutherford, New Jersey. This was just on twenty-four-seven, and this is actually a damn good show. Like, not even, you know, not like, oh, this is pretty good for its time. It's like this is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this uh, as of late, but. It's thoroughly impressive, frankly.
1: Um, not recently, but I do believe you. And um, I have held that opinion without actually backing it up in a mm-hmm. while. But, uh, yeah. Um, you get the tag match main event. Yep. Uh, WrestleMania continuance again. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, Zeus is not exactly Andre the Giant and Bruce's Beefcake is <laughs> not exactly. <the> <laughs> yeah, but everything else. Kind of works out. Actually, we should talk
0: about Zeus here. If For those who don't know, um, Hulk Hogan made a movie, No Holds Barred, back in the day. Fine, fine film. You'll probably see it on cable many times. And uh, he was a wrestler in this movie named Rip. And he fought uh, in the movie a, a big man named Zeus. And the the storyline was that they had heat on the set. Another heat story for the Observer Live Caller. And uh, it was so heated that uh, they brought it over to the to the wrestling world and Rainy Savage teamed up with Zeus. Uh, Zeus was, in fact, tiny. What's his name? Tiny Lister, who was in Friday and I believe the Fifth Element as the president of the universe. And Zeus was not very good, but Zeus uh, had. You talk about look. Zeus had a really awesome look. And if he came along today, you would say Zeus sucks. But he'd be captaining a team by like Survivor Series.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, and I mean he was terrible. I'm sorry. I keep saying that terrible with the um, with the e vowel consonant change. Because I've been watching that Flight of the Concord show ah. on HBO, so it screwed me up. It's coming in a New Zealand uh, semi accent, which I'm sure is going to be obnoxious. But so I'll, I'll try and consciously um, not do that, because it's quite ridiculous. But or ridiculous. Um, but um, yeah. So Ian Hogan actually did did. Um, Really good business for, for as bad as he was, and for as strange as his introduction was, and <laughs> of places he was and, and as a, a main event uh, headliner. So much so that I, there was actually talk before WrestleMania Six that that would be the singles blow-off between
2: Hogan and Six.
1: But um, and Zeus was, he felt no pain. He was kind of Undertakerish in that regard, right? Yeah, he had one one weak spot. Which was his eyes? Ah, yes. He could rake Zeus in the eyes, um, much like Glenn Jacob didn't see no evil or Jacob Goodnight. Yeah, which we we never thought. But I guess uh, yeah. the equivalent would be because you know Cain had heat on the set of that with those kids. So at that SummerSlam, they should have done Cain <laughs> versus kids. Cain versus the girl from Transformers. Okay? <laughs> Oh wait! The,
0: wait, someone else from Sinno Evil found work.
1: Yes, you kidding uh, me? Transformers, the the hot blockbuster of the summer. Shit. Um, she was attractive girl number two. Oh, not Fox. Hmm. Matt. Cool. We've got terribly off track. Entirely my fault. But oh, pff, whatever. Analyzing uh, news broken. Oh, what's that? Um, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that thing. Okay. The was yep. Um, I think we've exhausted Bruce Feast Cake. Oh. He cut people's hair with scissors. Yeah. He was not a good wrestler. No. He was from San Francisco and got babyface pops whenever they wrestled in San Francisco because the San Franciscans were unawares that he was originally built from San Francisco as a gay.
0: Yeah, as a gay reference, but that's right. So, and we also had uh, Ultimate Warrior, challenging Rick Rude for the IC title in a match that was almost shockingly good. Not in, a, you know, this is good for the time, or this is good for these guys, but this is a damn good match.
1: Yeah, Rick Rude was probably one of the two masters of uh, Ultimate Warrior, along with Randy Savage, and mm-hmm. um, so they wrestled at two consecutive Summer Slams here, and <clears throat> um, our colleague, Matt uh, Forrestine, who we wish could be with us, um, asked me to point out that uh, Warrior even does something resembling a released German suplex mm. in this match, which is remarkable during uh, Warrior's short-lived all-Japan phase.
0: <laughs> he also and took a Ganso bomb in this match, which is just... Where it's like he they didn't know how to do the pile driver, so Rue just kind of dunked him on his head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Warrior. He was he would not have been out of place in early '90s uh, main events. He w- he could have been a fine Akira a Taue or whatever that guy's name.
0: is. Yeah, it's Akira Taue.
1: Yeah, that's probably also why Andre punched him directly in the face. <laughs> the All Japan phase of the Warrior.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, we also had another excellent match: the Hard Foundation against the Brainbusters. This was, in fact, not a tag title match, although. Tully and Arn had the belts, and I think the reason was the match was signed before the Brainbusters won the belts on a Saturday night's main event, so they did not in fact have to defend them, which was kind of bullshit to me as a kid. But you know, whatever.
1: It's an outrageous decision by Tony
0: Jack Tunney, but, um,
1: that bastard. Yeah, uh, I think uh, like they had house show programs that year that were Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect mm-hmm. and Rockers and Brainbusters. And there was, like, the only two uh, good wrestling feuds in, in the WWF in the 80s, maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, neither of them were on pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. But Hearts, Brain Busters is, it, is it an acceptable alternative. Sure.
0: And you also had Rick Martel and the rougeos against Tito Santana and said Rockers. In another good match. So this one had quite a bit going for it. Some, you know, a couple dead spots here and there. Hercules and Greg Valentine with... Ronnie Garvin is a special ref, but, you know, overall, thumbs up.
1: Mm-hmm. First meeting of Martell and Tito after they, they broke up. That's like, right. And then continued their feud for all Royal Rumbles to come.
0: <laughs> I remember it continued to that Survivor Series where uh, Tito was on the Dream Team and uh, Rick Martell on the Enforcers. Never had that singles uh, blow off, I don't believe.
1: Mm-hmm. If I was a Survivor Series captain, you know who I would not pick name.
0: We're going to Brown We we Bad
1: News Brown? We're going to take this out and post after this call waiting. Okay. Sorry. Because um, I've heard it one before, and I think my voice cuts out for a second. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a, it wouldn't be a Joe show if we didn't uh, <laughs> have to cut out something. Egregious. Sure. Never found out what that Rob Naylor slander was.
0: Oh, uh something about drugs, but
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
0: oh in the in a um a uh I think a Jonestown reference to the Von Eric family, but <laughs> neither there nor here.
1: Awesome. All right, uh moving on. I forget what we were talking oh,
0: yeah. Uh, uh if you were uh, a Survivor Series good. captain, who would you who would you not pick? And I actually you suggested Bad News
1: Brown. Um and now I have no answer. He would be terrible. He'd yeah. just be or horrible. And anyway, but a uh, good Survivor Series partner would be, um, well, lots of people. But <laughs> Shawn Michaels put on an impressive Survivor Series display in 2003, so I'd pick him. Okay. He did all, all he could for, for Austin. Hmm. Anywho...
0: All right, and I think that's it for SummerSlam 89. A good show. Yeah,
1: they, blew off, uh, they blew off the same tag match on the No Holds Barred pay-per-view.
0: The match, the movie.
1: Yes, with like four leg drops in a cage or some such.
0: I never saw that. I, I doubt I'm alone in that.
1: Oh, it was on a super tape.
0: Wow, oh, okay. Oh, the match itself, not the movie.
1: Oh, no, no. The match was on a super okay. tape. Okay. I never saw the movie either. Does Zeus kill people?
0: Does I think he, like, the wrestler who killed people? Um, I think he beat up Hulk Hogan's brother real bad, if memory okay. serves, and it may, in fact, not, but... Mm, okay. All right, moving on to SummerSlam 90, in the Spectrum in Philly. Two big main events. We had the Ultimate Warrior, again against Rick Rude, this time in a cage, defending his WWF title, and Hulk Hogan made his big comeback against the Earthquake. Um, not i not nearly as good as last year's. Um, WF title match wasn't as good as last year's. The Hogan match ended in a count out to continue the house show program, of course. You had other stuff like Sapphire Leaves Dusty Roads for uh, Ted DiBiase and, and Kerry Von Erich beating Mr. Perfect in a match that was just total bullshit in my mind as a kid. But you also had the Heart Foundation beating Demolition for the tag belts in uh, probably the Late Crush's best match. Yeah, R- R.I.P.
1: No doubt, and um, probably one of the more famous like pay-per-view matches of the the whole Hogan era, is standing out for being actually quite good. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I really don't have anything. You, you exhausted the possibilities on the by pointing out that it was good and that, that Brian Adams is dead now. But yeah, um, Brian Adams started the match and then acted, rotated in he's yeah. one of the two oh so good for him. Yeah. Good good job. And uh three falls. That's right. So information. Um I guess the story or Warrior was it going to be, like...
0: Actually, <laughs> you just kind of cut out for, like, a minute there, so I don't know if you want to recap. I heard, like, the story, and that was it.
1: All right, sorry. I don't know what's going on. It's people saying they do not want Joe versus the World to end. Could be. Along it. But um, probably the most uh, relevant thing is that Warrior coming out of WrestleMania six was... Intended not really to replace Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. but at least to be Hulk Hogan number two. With the real Hogan, you know, we well, got two Hulk Hogans. That's terrific. But um, so Hogan puts Warrior over Clean, and um, which was you know astounding at the time. But then essentially the, the whole story um, became about Hogan losing graciously and then leaving. To make people sad, and so Warrior never really got over the the main guy with emphasis, and um, the Rick Rude is an opponent here because he had the I think probably the only pinfall on Warrior ever in yes. the WWF, so he was you know the natural challenger, but um, I believe it was the also the house show program right after WrestleMania, so by the time they got to August, it was completely used up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this one was hurt by, um, Roddy Piper doing commentary with Vince McMahon, and I love Roddy Piper, but as a commentator, I thought you he really hurt this show. He was just like I remember during the opener, this, the Rockers against Power and Glory, and and Power and Glory attack Shawn Michaels before the match, and he's trying to get to the ring, and Roddy Piper is just like, get up! And it's like, <laughs> dude, he can't fucking get up. It's the like, why are you burying this guy, like that, and. Yeah, I don't know, hurt this show. And we um, forgot to mention, Tony Schiavone, of all people, did commentary on uh, SummerSlam 89 with Jesse Ventura.
1: Mm, that's true. Um, Weird stuff. No doubt. The, the, the Tony Schiavone run, I think he does Rumble 9 as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's interesting. It's, he feels out of place. But, yes, um, it does. Still somehow etched in our memories just because it's from that time period. mm you look to hear Tony Schiavone putting over the the colossal connection. <laughs> on every, just unusual, but um. Uh, oh, Hogan Hogan preserves a leg drop on Earthquake for a long time. I don't think he actually started beating him until 1991. Because mm. he didn't beat him at Survivor Series either.
0: Nope. And uh, so. that was a count out with tugboat.
1: I think he he
0: eliminated him last at the Rumble in '91.
1: Yeah. I guess end the bad. feud got a ton of mileage out of old <laughs> almost guy. a
0: year if you think I mean well he attacked him in like May on the mm-hmm. Brother Love show sat on him several times uh, you had to start a letter writing campaign to get the holster yep. to come back egged on by tugboat um, holster cut a dramatic promo where he said am I going to retire and then he goes hell no <laughs> and uh, that was that got me pretty pumped up and um yeah, then he came back and it ended a out which was kind of bullshit, but you understand. Business rise, you understand why they did it, and they got more mileage out of the Quake, and
1: mm-hmm. there you go. It was sad for me to find out um, years later, getting clued in on what those letter-writing campaigns were for, which was to get your address on a mailing list. <laughs> oh, and sent to, like, Jesus. WWF catalog. Oh,
0: I think I knew that, but I kind of wanted to forget it. <laughs>
1: You not to say the sentiments expressed in any, any of those letters were any less valid. But. No, but still.
0: Now you get postcards hawking a red rooster t-shirt or something. No pun intended. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all right. Hawking a red rooster. Ah,
0: uh, yes. Classic. All right. SummerSlam 91. Now we're talking here. This is one of my top five favorite pay-per-views of all time. Not so much that it has great wrestling up and down, although there is some excellent wrestling here. It's just that everything was done really, really almost perfectly as far as booking and, and just decisions made and everything presented, that it's just an immensely satisfying uh, watch, even some 16 years after the fact. Let's start with the bad first. Um, they decided to go with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior against a handicapped match of Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, and General Adnan. And it's like, well, you know, like... Even though it's three-on-two, like, what the fuck? Like, General Adnan's like 50 years old. What's he going to do? Yes. And it's just like,
1: ugh. He would be more accepting of the Iron Sheik headlining today than they would have at that point in 1991. Um, It was another tag main event, um, continuing the the Mm. Mania title match, except uh, not quite the same level on the heel side. No. And, um... So... I guess to even the odds, which is ridiculous when you think about it, <laughs> yes. Sid Justice, nay, Vicious, and eventually nay, Justice Psycho Sid, um, was introduced and debuted in the company as the, the special referee for this match because you know to even the odds from uh, from the disadvantage that Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were at. Yeah, the three short fat men <laughs> in camouflage. <laughs> Um, oh. So, and he made the difference, and they won. And uh, yeah. so you, you get the. Um, an expression that I've coined called neon signs, mm. as far as um, usage of anabolic steroids, <laughs> allegedly, um, <laughs> with uh, Hogan and, and Sid pose afterwards to tease the WrestleMania 8 main event. Mm-hmm. And then Warrior, I think, chased uh, two of the members of the. Uh, triangle of Terror. Yes, yes, Triangle of Terror. <laughs> the what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Just Al-Qaeda. A- yeah. Al-Qaeda. Um, yes. So he chased them. Well, yeah, they were the insurgency, more or less. Oh, yeah, they were know. all with Iraq. Which is amazing, because uh, Iran and Iraq... Uh, Colonel Mustafa was, had been loyal to Iran, mm-hmm. and then switched to Iraq just because you know, why not? Why not? But, um... Mm. Yeah. So, Warrior chases them to the back and essentially just kept running until <laughs> WrestleMania 8 when he ran back and Finally made it he back. He was fired after this show for holding Vince up for money. Yep. Which is very... I don't know, were you quite confused and alarmed at the time like I was?
0: I was kind of like, like, well, where the hell's Warrior? And, you know, like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then, you know, I just kind of forgot. Yep. There was... Because Flair that, was coming in, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, and didn't Heenan confront Hogan with the title belt? On he the confronted
0: show? A, a door, and it got slammed in his face. So. Yes.
1: Well, they probably didn't have Hogan. So. Well,
0: yeah, but actually, uh, speaking of Heenan, he, Gorilla Monsoon, and Roddy Piper all called the show, and they were totally fine. Because mm-hmm. Piper could trade barbs with uh, Heenan, and that worked much better.
1: Yeah, yeah, Heenan had just retired, and um, yeah. Gave Mr. Perfect to... Coach. The
0: coach. Not, not that coach. Not the awesome coach. It was John Tolos as uh, a gym coach.
1: Yeah. So he's <laughs> kind of um, an anachronism in the Bret Hart match mm. when he takes a bump at the end. It's like, who's that jackass?
0: <laughs> Actually, one more thing on the main event. I remember reading in Pro Wrestling Illustrated that the planned event was Hogan and Warrior against Slaughter and the Undertaker, which was infinitely more logical since Undertaker you know, trap, try to murder the Ultimate Warrior by locking him right. in a casket. And while that and probably wrestle. would not have been a barn burner of a match, it would have been a bit more intriguing than the three fat bald men in camouflage.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, it a logical bridge to Survivor Series sure. Well.
0: And, uh And speaking of, uh, uh, I fucked up that segue, but let's talk yeah. about Mr. Perfect and uh, Bret Hart. Now, I remember in this, this. Speaking of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, that was the segue I wanted. I remember mm-hmm. thinking uh, that match was odd because during that summer, the house show uh, series had been perfect in the British Bulldog. So I figured, mm-hmm. well, that's logical for SummerSlam. They changed it to Bret Hart, who had been a tag wrestler for like six years up until that WrestleMania. I thought, well, that's odd. And that match, that match rules to this day. I remember when I was watching in being a uh, younger, or at least not exactly a youngster, but not really having any concept of work rate or what have you, but thinking, my God, this match rules.
1: Then it must have uh, done something right, because again, I was nine years old or so. just slightly older, slightly more mature than me at the time, but sure. I had the same feeling. I was like, hmm, all wrestling matches are exciting, but this is <laughs> particularly compelling. You really thought all matches were exciting? Um. Well, to a certain degree, competition. Mm. So, <laughs> but, um, so you yeah. thought
0: IRS and Greg Valentine was exciting later well, on the show.
1: Who is this IRS? I was quite interested in. Uh.
0: <laughs> you were like, oh, I hate the tax man too. I'll boo this man.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, um very because you no know, Gene Oakland sold that match as. Um, I don't even remember. I kind of <laughs> thought about taxes, and I was like, hell yeah. yeah. It's a logical matchup. It's like the hammer versus the briefcase or something like that. Sure. But, uh, no, maybe we should talk more about Brett Perfect and IRS Greg Valentine. I don't yeah. Think. It was awesome. It and was. And not only that, but it was a gift that kept on giving because then they played off uh, the same match at King of the Ring 93 and another great match. Yeah. Just, uh, but,
0: yeah, just one of those matches that rules, and, and especially uh, since Perfect's back was all fucked up, and he didn't wrestle for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this. I mean, I, I think it was maybe all summer he stopped doing his uh, house show matches. Mm. Like, the Bulldog Bulldog was challenging after WrestleMania, and then at a certain point, uh, he just bowed out of all his house show commitments because you know, his back was fucked, and yeah. he wouldn't wrestle again for over a year and was never really the same. Uh, I think the the program after SummerSlam was going to be Mr. Perfect Ricky Steamboat, which Mm. never took place, which is kind of a shame, but Uh, Steamboat would have quit two months later anyway.
0: Yeah, Steamboat was relegated with the British Bulldog to the opener.
1: Yeah,
0: the the
1: alliteration um, location team. (laughs) Yes. He'd been like the Denmark Dragon or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah,
0: they beat uh, Power and Glory in the Warlord. And actually uh, a fun little match.
1: Or as I call them, Team Slick. Yeah, yeah with Slick. How about that? Mm-hmm.
0: Let's see. You also had the Legion of Doom being the nasty boys in a street fight to win the WWF Tag Championship, making them the first and only team to win the WWF, NWA, and AWA Tag Titles back when that actually meant something. As a young, budding historian who read PWI back in the day, I marked out big for that.
1: That was immensely satisfying because the the damnable Nasty Boys um, famously discussed on this show in a brief segment with uh, one Hobbs and their ten nastiest uh, oh, yeah. tendencies. No. I tried but, to uh, block that out. <laughs> um, so they, they're using that uh, motorcycle helmet to beat uh, many a deserving babyface tag team. So finally... Finally, uh, Legion of Doom got them in a no-disqualification, no-countout match, yep. which uh, also blew my mind at the time. <laughs> You're like, no rules? What the? I was like, I don't know about that. I do not know if that's safe. but. Uh, <laughs> and the Mounties spent the night in jail.
0: Yes, they had um, a jailhouse match, the big boss man, the Mountie. Good to know the... Fine NYPD had nothing better to do than lock a wrestler away for a mm-hmm. night. Actually, the, the match itself was fine. Um, mm-hmm. The shenanigans afterwards were awesome. Some of
1: the earliest um, sodomy jokes in company history. You're probably right.
0: The Mounty was locked up. With first, you you thought he was a scary man. Then he turned out to be gay, which was in fact perhaps scarier to the Mountie. No doubt. Just good. Just good stuff. Yes, i had Virgil being Ted DiBiase another immensely satisfying result. No.
1: Pretty perfectly done. Yeah. Know. They had false finishes and such. It was cool stuff. Hmm. Oh,
0: and the... Um, the oh, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, Virgil didn't just beat him. He took his million-dollar belt. Yep. So, ultimate, ultimate slap in the face to, to Ted DiBiase, an arrogant man.
0: That's right. And we should mention the, I guess, main event, the Match Made in Heaven, the purported marriage of Elizabeth and Macho Randy Savage, which angers me because when I was watching with my friends back in the day, I bet one of my friends $2 that some shit was going to happen during the pay-per-view. Someone mm-hmm. would run in, attack the Macho Man. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Of course, we later found out that it was during the wedding reception. Jake Roberts and The Undertaker pulled shenanigans. I tried to get $2 from my friend who declined because it was not during the pay-per-view itself. That friend is now a lawyer, which should not be surprising at all.
1: Ooh. Well, um, yeah, you have a, a legitimate beef. I uh, do. That would have kept going up higher um, courts. Mm. I don't know, but you have a, a real a real claim there. I don't know. They put Savage over Clean in the wedding, if you will. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, Good shot. Looking. The angle on TV. Which yeah. Is, the reception was. That was just shown on like prime time, right? Something like
0: yeah, and uh, and then and also added to the videotape going
1: yeah, well, people. Assorted superstars gave them gifts, and one mm-hmm. such gift was a snake. No, thank you. No. Um, yeah, Jake had just turned. Yeah, it was weird because Jake turned on Warrior before SummerSlam, and yet Warrior is supposed to wrestle in this match against those goofs. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he have bigger stuff on his plate right now? <laughs> Jake buried him alive. Yeah, I couldn't Hulk Hogan go on
0: this by himself. Really, was that real? Mm-hmm. But. Yep, very good show, one of my personal favorites. So,
1: it was that was the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. Hell. Counterpunch was the uh, tag match.
0: Yes. So, moving on to 92, the famous one from Wembley Stadium. I think the only pay-per-view outside of North America not counting UK only shows, and also, I think it's the legit biggest crowd in WWF history. Am I right on this? I don't want to get into this debate about legit crowds, but I'm pretty sure that's the case.
1: According to people who make it their beeswax to say that, that WrestleMania 3 is not, this is the crowd. Okay. It, it was a big crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was... Puerto Rico in North... That's Puerto Rico is in North America. Ridiculous question. <laughs> um, yes, it is. And, uh, but being that Puerto Rico is in North America, that one New Year's revolution also took place mm. in North America. Yes. Uh, additional fact. Okay. Uh, for free, but... Was this the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see?
0: It was, in fact, and then I saw it, and I'm like, huh.
1: And yet I, yeah, so, but they weren't kidding. It was no. not only in England, but two babyface title matches. Yeah. Up, so, that's just weird.
0: And um, it's uh, interesting. They actually taped this on, I think, it was like August 29th, and then they aired it two days later on uh, in the States, and they were worried about, you know, results getting out, and I don't know. How that would happen unless I guess the newspaper would run them But I don't think my newspaper was running too much wrestling I mean nowadays you'd have the results Like before it ended Right but. Right. And uh, this one of course as you said Two babyface matches Headlined by the British Bulldog and Bret Hart In the Intercontinental title match And just a fantastic match And uh, really one of the all time classics CWF has had And something you should see one way or another I think it's on the Bret DVD But thumbs up
1: the Heat is uh, ridiculous. Yeah. I guess they're cheating in a sense, but uh, well. it's still ridiculous Heat. And, um, yes, Savage Flair was kind of dying because Savage won the belt and then the heel was chasing him, mm-hmm. so that didn't really work. I think the assumption going in was, was uh, Warrior would win because, you know, he's the warrior and you um, hit... He hadn't really eroded his reputation at that point, so you kind of just assume he's the warrior, so he's still going to be a um, huge box office. Sure. And then Warrior Flair would be the fresh match. And I think it also came out that Warrior was asked to be the guy who turned heel because they had the the angle going in that one of them had um, hired Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect to be in their corner. That's right. And uh, so I think Warrior was asked to, to turn coming out of that, and he refused But uh, what they did was pleasant and made me um, proud of sportsmanship and such.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Where uh, they were both wrongfully accused in in an angle that would show up at a later SummerSlam. And um, Mm. I thought it was weird that Flair didn't wrestle. Yeah. But then I realized he did a ton of work carrying that match, too. True. Although Savage is... Even more than Rude, probably the master of, of getting great matches out of.
0: Yeah, Warriors. that's not as good as WrestleMania Seven that match, but still pretty damn good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and
1: um, first SummerSlam without Hogan.
2: Yeah.
1: He sabbaticaled after WrestleMania, mm-hmm. so like '92 is kind of a funny year because business completely collapsed, but because of Ric Flair and Bret Hart, everyone looks back fondly because all the pay per views were like stunningly good. By yeah. W W S standards.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, with those two title matches you had, I mean, really awesome stuff. Everything else, actually, the, the Shawn Michaels Rick Martel match was very funny because they could not punch each other in the face.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, probably the crowning moment of Sherry Martel's career was her antics yeah. during this, as they kept trying to revive her and dropping her.
1: in that stipulation you know, she, never really caught on. Did no, it? I don't think it was ever repeated.
0: But everything else is kind of kind of there. You had the baby mm. face, natural Kind of disasters. there,
1: but with the, those two matches, I mean, that's pretty unheard of on a WWF show.
0: Yeah, and uh, also just the atmosphere for everything. Yes. Maybe a thumbs
1: up. Yes, if you, I was writing a dirt sheet at the time, and it, if only. it was anti-WWF sentiment, my headline would have been, this really was the SummerSlam we thought we'd never see, because it was good. Because it was good.
2: <sighs>
0: uh, uh, too funny. But yes, go see uh, Bulldog Bret Hart and uh, also the championship match. It's good stuff. Yep. Please do. Yeah. So, we're going to... We're going to roll right on to Wrestlemania 93? No. Dude, what's that? So Wrestlemania 93. What did I say? Did I say Mania?
1: <laughs> WrestleMania.
0: Did I said, oh, man. Ridiculous. In my In my defense, I am on the Wikipedia page right now, kind of following along in case there are any last-minute things. I was distracted by the poster for SummerSlam 93, which mm-hmm. is uh, Yokozuna's, I guess, kind of bonsai dropping the uh, American flag. Oh. And he's going, but he's going so fast, it looks like he dropped out of orbit. He's like a blur. <laughs> and it oh, says, Yokozuna someone has to stop him. And you know who that someone was?
1: Lex Luger. So, oh, yeah. I wish he had. He didn't.
0: Yeah, this was, um, this was the famous show where... Uh, Lex got the title shot on the uh, USS Intrepid. He slammed Yokozuna and got the title match and uh, turned from the narcissist into the all-American Hulk Hogan 2.0. Made in the USA. Made in the USA, he was. And he got on the Lex Express bus and toured the country to drum up support, which always seemed weird to me because it seemed to imply that he was worried people would... Vote for I mean, no, vote or cheer for Yokozuna, or no one knew what the hell was going on at the time.
1: <laughs> we certainly found it a touch odd. I mean, cause I knew from WCW that Lex Luger could be a great hero, but um, <laughs> he had theretofore been something of a jerk. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. I endorse the move, Lex, but I'm a little skeptical. So thankfully he had the bust.
0: I guess so. I know that the bus came to to my neck of the woods in in Western Ooh. Massachusetts did not visit Lex, but mm-hmm. i don 't know if he came to Oil City Pennsylvania to visit unlikely too bad, but
1: it was um, yeah the, the, like pretty much the biggest promotional effort around one guy in company history, and um it did not work <laughs>
0: no no, this was not a terribly successful show. It was actually a very good show, I should say, and the mm-hmm. Yokozuna Lex Luger match was surprisingly good, especially given the turd they had at WrestleMania 10. Yep. Although, just a baffling ending as Lex Luger and his one and only title shot fails as he beats Yokozuna by count out. But I remember him celebrating afterwards like he had won a great victory when he really just failed.
1: Right. He, he apparently was only interested in getting his hand raised. <laughs> like, yes, here confetti. I did it.
0: I got the winner's share of the purse.
1: <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I guess it was like the inception of what would become the, the long running concept where the, the top baby face is, is screwed out of the belt and his only chance is to win the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. to get the title shot and that sort of happened but they didn't really follow through on it.
0: Yeah, that kinda of got a little botched, but uh other good stuff on the show. Yeah, the Steiner brothers against the Heavenly Bodies, they had a very good WF tag title match. Um mm-hmm. Eight. I don't think
1: Heavenly Bodies were full time in WWF at that point either. It was the that weird nebulous period where Smoky Mountain guys would show up. Yeah,
0: that was odd. And uh, also, the Tatanka Smoking Guns against Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, Head Shrinkers match was shockingly good. Mm-hmm. And actually, what what wasn't well, what was okay was the the Shawn Michaels Mister Perfect IC title match, which I think they billed ahead of time as was going to be a classic, and then it just ended up being kind of eh.
1: Mm -hmm. It ended up being
0: okay, but not nearly what you were hoping for.
1: Especially considering Sean and and Marty Jannetty had like a a handful of of great matches. Yeah,
0: that's right. And then things just kind of...
1: Was was, um, Tatanka's match originally supposed to be a mixed tag with Sherry and Luna? uh, Yeah, it was. Yeah, Sherry was... To uh, some... I think Sherry was fired right around then for oh. problematic problems. So <laughs> figured I'd throw in that cryptic comment considering she recently died. Yeah. And people can be sad. But um and uh Brett and Jerry Lawler had their famous long running feud mm-hmm. here. That's right.
0: That's where it kinda kinda kicked off where Lawler uh kicked off a King of the Ring but then Lawler. Brought out Doink at first, and then faked an injury. And Brett actually won, but got DQ'd for hanging out to the sharpshooter too long. And so Lola got to remain the king, which I think he still is, although Booker may have just taken <laughs> that.
1: It was all I mean, the, just the whole deal with the post-match afterwards and the, and the face snapping and mm-hmm. getting really violent had, I don't think, been done mm-hmm. in WWF. It was quite the scene, my friend.
0: Yeah. Now, according to Wikipedia... Ludwig Borga, who fought Mario Giannetti, replaced Rick Martel. I don't, that sounds kind of shaky to me. I thought that was just a squash to put uh, Borga over.
1: That was my assumption. Hmm. Rick, Martel, uh, Rick Martel left for a few months, I think, but then he, I know he came back because he's in the Battle Royal where Razor Ramon won the Intercontinental Pipe.
2: That's
0: right. That would have been just after this.
1: So, I don't know. I don't mm. want to say Wikipedia is incorrect. Oh, but man. we're not giving it the JVT-dub seal of approval.
0: No, we're not. And uh, So, yeah, another good pay-per-view. In fact, much better than uh, WrestleMania 9.
1: Ted DiBiase's last... I don't think it's his last no, match. No, not
0: quite he the last match, but the last hurrah, pretty much. Yeah. As he jobbed and, to um, raise Ramon in the opener.
1: And 123Kid came in and was, like, one of the best workers in the world. And... Uh, lost the IRS. In
0: like five minutes. We are moving on to SummerSlam 94, an, an interesting year of sorts. You had another kind of continuation of a WrestleMania program as uh, Bret Hart defended the WF Championship against Owen in a steel cage, a really awesome steel cage match. I think it's on the steel cage DVD that came out a few years ago. And um, there's also the, the famed Undertaker versus Undertaker story which people kind of laugh at now, but that was really awful and embarrassing back at the time. Especially if you were in high school like I was, and wrestling was really not something you admitted to being a fan of. Even worse than now.
1: Yeah, this was. I didn't really know at the time. I think we also brought this up on the Mania show, but um, 92 through 95, 96 was like a down period for all of wrestling, and yet I... I, who started watching at the tail end of the Hogan era, never really noticed. I was just like, ah, oh, new guys. <laughs> compelling. Compelling. Yeah. Um, here's the uh, SummerSlam 94. Four words, Joe. mm mm-hmm. Parts, yes. Undertakers, no. That was the tagline? No, that's okay.
0: mine. Oh, that all was. right. I thought it was so hot, it's scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, um... That Undertaker supernatural feud. Um, well, it's really bad I, about
0: that. Not even Leslie Nielsen
1: like looking for the
0: Undertaker. It was like they signed the match, and the announcers didn't know what was happening. They're like, "What? How can this be? How can? What does this mean?" I'm like, "Well, maybe it's a fake genius. You know, like no. <laughs> maybe the Undertaker shrunk a couple inches. Didn't that? I don't know. I mean, that's probably not the worst storyline. Like a fake Undertaker." Mhm. So you had Brian Lee, who you know did an okay Undertaker, but just the way it was handled was like, ugh.
1: right? I guess they must have been going on the the uh, steadfast claims of of Paul Bearer. that like mm. this was indeed not the Undertaker, mm. um, and he was right. So yeah, he was. Credit where where due. Um, and no, like under fake Undertaker, under faker, if uh-huh. you will, yes, was. Um, Originally going to get a, a good push coming out of this, and they're going to become a team of Undertakers. It came for Kane, Kane, huh. Kane, and uh, it just bombed so bad that they were like, "No, nah, that's not going eh, to work."
0: Brian Lee was relegated to the DOA in a few years. Yeah.
1: and the the Taker match came after the cage match, correct? Yeah, yeah.
0: After a half hour plus cage match, they had a nine minute main event. <laughs> good luck. <laughs>
1: no pun intended, dead crowd. Wah-wah.
0: Uh,
1: so, oh wait, they put the big blue cage up and then took it down again?
0: Yeah, I guess they did. Ridiculous. Weird.
1: Huh. And, um, okay. I'm not, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to transition to any bullet points I'm going to leave that in your hands.
0: Thank you. Um, let's see, we have Razor Ramon beating Diesel to win the Intercontinental title, and he was accompanied by Walter Payton. So does Walter Payton count as another uh, young wrestling guest now, <laughs> taken before his time?
1: A great point. And um, Walter Payton, he never did any pro wrestling spots again after that, did he? A lot of football so. players over the next few years, but never Walter Payton.
0: Yeah, too classy. Um, You're too good for this business, Walter.
1: Indeed. Um, so that was good. I mean, Razor, or Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, you wouldn't expect. You'd expect probably bad things, but between um, them being so over and Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. to carry it as the manager, it it was uh, not too bad because oh. Razor Ramon is Mister Intercontinental Title, as we all know. Yeah, and um, yeah, Shawn and Diesel won the tag belts like the, the night day before, before the show. Yeah, that was that's weird. Yeah, I, I wonder why was, they did that. So the the a tag title match, I think it
0: was IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow, what a team, against the Head Shrinkers was just made into a match. Yes, that's not that that was been a barn burner or like the or you know prestigious title defense, but that's just odd.
1: It is weird. It and, anything be, can happen in the WWF. Oh, that's true. I was always pretty freaked out when belts changed, not on pay per view. I was like, whoa, 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 but. That was especially confusing because they came out with with two belts, and I was just like, "Eh, yeah. it's been a mistake." <laughs> and, um, it did lead to like a, one of the great matches that year. Um, the Action the
0: Zone conference. match, yes,
1: Razor and Kid on TAZ.
0: Another match where you're like, "Wow, this is really good." you, yeah. know, you had no concept of work rate and what have you. Exactly, it's like, "Wow, okay." And uh, so yeah, and uh, oh yes, he, I think you wanted to. You seemed excited by the Tatanka Lex Luger intrigue match earlier Failed
1: on. Out. Um I guess well, Luger was already phased down at this point after WrestleMania. Yep. And he pretty much stayed that way for the rest of his WWF tenure. Yeah, he wasn't on this sh-
0: oh yeah, he was on duh. We're
1: talking about him. Don't mind me. <clears throat> so Lex Luger who <laughs> wrestled on this show. Um I guess was, I don't know. It was for the time I couldn't really say how good of a surprise twist it was because, you know, I don't know if it was just obvious at the time. I had my inklings about uh, Tatanka, I don't know about you.
0: Mm, I was a little suspicious, but I think I was still surprised yeah. when it happened, so.
1: Right, whereas now this is pretty much yeah. The angle that gets done every month. But. It actually, it would be like
0: a swerve if he did turn because you would be expecting it, but then you think they try to trick you so they wouldn't do it, but then they did it so they kind of did surprise you in the end. Mm-hmm. That's how fans would approach it now. But back then, it's just a plain old surprise.
1: Well said, thank you. Um, so, we, which is uh, what was funny for all kinds of reasons is uh, Lex Luger essentially playing the role of Vince McMahon. in Yeah, he loves it for one reason, and now in retrospect, I'm sure he doesn't like that at all. But yeah, um, so he's the wrongfully accused man who not only ends up innocent in the end, but the person doing all the accusing is actually the corrupt one. Wow. Interesting. About that? Huh. Another has modern-day connotations, I'm sure.
0: Hmm. Well, I think that's it for SummerSlam 94, unless you want to talk about Jeff Jarrett and Mabel.
1: Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about Mabel.
0: Yeah, we will. Uh, right now, in fact, it's 1995, the uh, kind of famous show where, um, headlined by Diesel and Mabel and uh, that's not good. But the, the show actually has some good stuff on it. It kind of gets a bad rap, although you could tell a lot of stuff just wasn't working, and thankfully Nitro was right around the corner, so mm-hmm. good stuff. But yeah, that that Diesel Mabel main event was just kind of a... Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's too bad it wasn't, um, like, Brett Diesel on top or something like that, because then it would be, a, like, a really great show, top to bottom. But as it, as it was, it's still really good. Um, just... I mean, the, the, just the latter match alone makes it, but then you have some other good matches which uh, you don't usually show up on Dota pay-per-views, like Hokushi mm-hmm. um, 123 kid is good, and um, Bret Hart, uh, Isaac Yankum, DDS, is fine. It's a good match, but
0: it's just... You could just tell that shit just wasn't working then, like Bret Hart, you know, last year fought his brother in a cage. in right. a, a classic match, now he's fighting Jerry Lawler's dentist. Mm -hmm. It's like
1: Uh, The whole Sad dark period Between Zisa winning the belt And losing it Where Bret Hart Just wrestled A constant string Of goofs
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Jean-Pierre Lafitte Hakusiello That was a a Mm -hmm. Really good match But still You know Mm -hmm. He deserved a lot Better than this But
1: I kind of think I don't. I'm not really familiar with what Jinsei Shinzaki did in like FMW or something, but I kind of get the feeling Hakushi was kind of a Bret Hart creation as opposed to this great Japanese import.
0: Yeah, um, he is not the most uh, fondly remembered. The term "lazy" gets tossed around a lot for uh, mm-hmm. Shinzaki, but yeah, this is one of his finer moments. I'll say that.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, well. Probably one of the most memorable angles of the whole down period was uh, Horowitz wins.
0: Yeah, Horowitz wins. Remember Jim Ross, with that called, defeating Skip?
1: Very good stuff.
0: And uh, that, that led like to better, the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Um, what do you like better, Barry Horowitz, underdog Jew, babyface, or Barry Horowitz, the winner who pats himself on the back after he wins one match and then becomes a heel in assorted independent uh, companies that have been covered by the show in great detail?
0: Got to go with the winner. Arrogant, uh, winning Jew, I guess. <laughs> the
1: worst kind.
0: <laughs> I say that because you're my friend, Justin Shapiro, and you are, in fact, Jewish. So.
1: Justin Shapiro, famous Jew. Famous so,
0: Jew. That's famous my get-out-of-jail-free <laughs> card. I'm like, well, Justin's on the show. I'm sure you're not anti-Semitic.
1: <laughs> anyway, Jill also... This is the world which was created 5,000 years ago. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, uh, also of note, Hunter
0: Hearst Helmsley beat Bob Hawley, so yes, 12 years of Triple H.
1: 12 years of Triple H and, like... And Bob Hawley, I guess. 13, 14 years of Bob Hawley. They must be, um, like the two longest-running guys, I'm guessing, aside from Undertaker.
0: Uh, yeah, and then, well, Sean had that gap, but straight, I mean, like, straight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you um, think about, like, okay, who's still employed here... Actually, let's see.
1: You're getting Able into the is. Val Venis Edge era of oh, yeah. people.
0: But, I mean, that's okay, Kane. M- Mabel's still employed. Yes, Isaac Yankum is Kane, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. Uh, let's see. Let's see, another billion bar. Triple H, Bob Hawley. Let's see, that's six, so that's not a bad amount, really. Mm-hmm. For a show 12 years ago.
1: Yes, and then thanks to the... Um Tag title match being left off the show, you don't have the double dead whammy of Owen and Yokozuna. Yeah. But, um, I remember. Who were feuding with the Allied Powers, who would be a fourth, a third dead guy.
0: So. Sure. But this was, in fact, uh, this was Lex Luger's last appearance, I think, mm-hmm. in the WWF, or at least pay per view wise. Last of note, I should say. And.
1: Yeah, it was another weird deal where they did a British Bulldog heel turn, like, before the show started, mm. and yet you had Diesel and uh, Mabel as the main event. I don't want to criticize Mabel because uh, Lord knows we have heat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right.
1: Um, in fact, enough. I guess Diesel Diesel and Big Daddy V actually might work to an extent, but uh, now that he kind of learned how to work like a monster mm-hmm. and has debuted the exposed double breast, but uh, Mabel at the time was not getting it done. No.
0: And uh, back to the ladder match for a second here. I remember... Then they make yeah they made um Michael Psycho Sid for the IC belt yeah. until they kind of realized that the the card wasn't all that much. So they're like, well, ladder match.
1: Yeah, which is like strikes is a weird decision by WWF at the time. They Nitro hadn't even debuted to put any pressure on them, but I guess they just there are times when Vince McMahon looks at a show and thinks it's it might not be good and that actually bothers him. It's kind <laughs> of strange to envision, and he does. What became a, a long standing pattern which is add a letter match.
0: So. Yeah. So that actually that Michael Sid match became the infamous match that was revealed on Nitro where Bischoff said he beat someone with three super kicks because mm-hmm. it had been taped. So and
1: The uh, letter match was of course incredible. Yes. Um it is notorious to uh one single person, namely me, because um I attended this SummerSlam in oh, Pittsburgh. That's and, right, Pittsburgh uh, Civic Arena. So my dad took me and my brother's. I was 13-ish, and I was like, yay, wrestling. And he was like, boo, wrestling. Went, <laughs> took a nap. So <laughs> the only time he woke up during the show was to see Shawn Michaels' bare-ass <laughs> spot during the ladder match. And I was just like, oh, Dad, you'll be proud of me someday.
2: Oh,
1: I, I remember my, my dad taking me to a show.
0: um, a few years before when I was like 12 and I was like, you know, kind of in that uh, maybe a little too old for wrestling. I remember being being terrified Battle Cat would come out and having to explain that to my dad. And whenever I heard, I wasn't sure what his music sounded like. I'm like, oh, no, is that it? I'm like, oh, it's Shane Douglas, okay. And then I'm like, who the fuck is Shane Douglas?
1: It'd <laughs> be a good idea maybe if you weren't ending the show we could do a father and son episode.
0: <laughs> we have to wait till next Father's Day. I think that would be superb.
1: All right, book it. Yeah book it.
0: <laughs> and yeah, 95, a uh, pretty good show actually, mm-hmm. if you can get by the main event which, better days were around the co- actually better days really weren't around the corner because I think SummerSlam 96 was actually worse than 95 because um, you had uh, you had Shawn Michaels and Vader and well, at the time I remember it being an excellent match, I don't know how that's held up it may have gone downhill and you also had Mankind and The Undertaker in a Boiler Room Brawl match that saw Paul Bearer turn on The Undertaker. Not much else besides that. Kind of a... A lot of heatless stuff, you could tell. Steve Austin, who was relegated to the pre-show, beating Yokozuna in one of his last appearances in, like, two minutes when Yokozuna fell down. And, yeah, kind of a questionable
1: show. Mm -hmm. I would say this... um, Most of 96, pretty much the period where Bret Hart... Between Bret Hart leaving... And coming back was probably the worst roster depth they ever had. Mm. You know, you had Shawn Michaels in probably his best year, in-ring. Yep. Um, But aside from him and, like, mankind carrying somebody by taking a bunch of bumps, there was really nobody who was any good. I mean, Owen Hart, but he never excelled, really. And um, Steve Austin was just coming into his own. But was wrestling guys like uh, Yokozuna until Bret Hart came back. Um, What, uh... That's not to say, you know, they didn't have good matches. No,
0: but... But... The uh, show badly needed Bret Hart, I think.
1: Yeah. It badly needed anything. Yeah. But Sean Vader is really good, but if you consider that the matches Vader had with Sting and Shawn Michaels had with everybody, it's probably kind of disappointing. mm And, um... I know... I don't think Vader is ever supposed to win here. He got all the outs by beating him and then restarting the match. Yeah. So he was supposed to get the belt at Survivor Series to do the um short term San Antonio switch, but uh Sean I guess didn't like working with Vader and changed it to Sid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um Mankind <coughs> is uh the best thing that ever happened to The Undertaker really. Oh yeah. He kind of uh revitalized him. And beat him, which was certainly strange. Mm.
0: I remember something like Undertaker was going to be reborn as a white angel or some bullshit like after that <laughs> match, but nothing ever. He just came back, I think.
1: As Mordecai? <laughs> if only. Mordecai... It would said Mordecai references may not even play on a 2007 podcast.
0: That's right. People may be like, huh, what? Is that a goth okay. reference? hmm No. And, but, uh, uh, oh, I see... Uh, I don't know Justin Hawk Bradshaw... I don't think it was his debut, but an early appearance... Mm-hmm. he attacked Savio Vega after a match between Vega and Owen Hart that went 13 minutes. Jesus
2: Christ.
1: <laughs> and that's probably, like, the third best match on the show, I'm guessing. Probably.
0: So JBL has some tenure.
1: Oh, yeah. Um years, huh. He came that year, so he'd be probably fourth in line, maybe. Cool. So, um, would be another good episode idea. Is just easily figured out list that we can read Lists. on the air sure. based on mathematics. But, um... And Sid just came back. I think it would be a fun subplot, keeping track of Sid on all these SummerSlams.
0: Maybe keeping track of all the shit, Undertaker. Because <laughs> he's, he's fought, I think, Kamala, Giant Gonzalez, Kama in a casket match. And I think Mankind was indeed a big step up from fighting, oh, uh, himself, but
1: <laughs> he also fought.
0: <laughs> and Mankind was indeed a big step up.
1: Yes. Um, and uh, Mark Merrow just to show that he was ruining everybody's fun back then even <laughs> uh, nixed the Marlena uh, Sable lesbian angle it was going to be the, the impetus behind the Goldust Marrow feud along with the prestigious no not the prestigious intercontinental title or was it no Ahmed uh, Johnson got kicked in the rift and it was vacant at this point so. oh by Farouk, Farouk. who was uh, putting it to Sunny, which is a white person <laughs> outraged me oh <laughs>
0: Oh on that note, on to SummerSlam nineteen ninety seven. Uh a step in the right direction, I think. This one just also aired on twenty four seven. This was during the hot uh Hart Foundation versus America feud. So you had Bret Hart and the Undertaker with Sean as a special guest referee. And also the Steve Austin Owen Hart match, I C title, where uh Austin got his neck broken by the Owen driver. And also, Mankind, Triple H in a cage. Uh, there's some shit here, but things were turning around a bit. Oh, and also Ken Shamrock snapping.
1: Yeah, I, get, I mean, the matches are all pretty good, but it's probably remembered more for like four, three or four famous. Oh, um, probably full of like three or four more notable moments than matches. Yeah. Cause, um you have Shawn Michaels with the accidental chair shot, which started. His heel turn mm-hmm. for the first time in like two years or so, yeah, and kicked
0: um, off the Undertaker sean feud, which led to Hell in a Cell.
1: Yes, Shawn Michaels definitely had better matches with Undertaker than Bret Hart did. They're pretty even with a lot of those guys mm. in that period. But,
0: yeah, uh, but Bret had some. Well, actually, I think if you've seen the uh, UK, they had a UK only. Match no, that was very, very good and uh-huh. up there with Hell in a Cell, but on the whole, you're I would say you're right.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: But this is still a good main event, a good semi main, and uh, there's some bullshit like gang wars and mm-hmm. uh, and the Godwins against Legion of Doom, but you know,
1: yep. this is where Shamrock coined uh, Get Out of My Way,
0: which I remember from I think one of his uh, N64. Wrestling games. I think it was WWF Attitude. I think he said that when. Uh, yes. As, as all the the wrestlers had sayings, I think he said, like, "Get out
1: of my way!" Ah, get out! Oh yeah,
0: they would they would express uh, pain when you uh, hit them. Hmm. They go ah. Uh,
1: good, good stuff. Yeah, um, I wish he would have taken taken that to UFC, and they <laughs> would have been much hotter, much earlier. Yeah,
0: much earlier. Rock
1: told people to get out of his way. <laughs> he threw the restaurant.
0: Oh, um, funny. He, I'm sure he said ah a well, lot when he got punched in the face by <laughs> Tito Ortiz, but he made a lot of money doing so, so. Likely, likely. The art of um, pancreation. <laughs> I just wanted to say and has nothing to do with SummerSlam.
1: Uh the erudite Joe versus the world uh, tidbits. But yes. um so yeah, Austin breaks his neck, which hurt him mm-hmm. and business. And didn't hurt business, but it kind of hurt him. him and made him better than ever ultimately. Um, That match would have been quite great, except uh, being that it ends with a, a guy lying paralyzed for a <laughs> few minutes and then a, a dubious roll-up. I, I would say that took the match down a notch. What about you, Joe? I guess so, but I can't complain
0: that uh, Owen had to basically roll himself up by that point, mm-hmm. but yes, the, you know what? the paralyzation kind of hurts the mood.
1: It adds to the legend of Steve
0: Austin,
2: but yes. uh,
1: maybe, maybe... At this point, we where we become kind of a little more self-conscious about the, the ills of wrestling, it's kind of uh-huh. like, if a guy breaks his neck, just stop the match, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I know Austin had to kiss Owen's ass if he loses, but uh, maybe instead of doing that, they would have just said he broke his neck and can't do that. So.
0: <laughs> they could come up with something, I think,
1: but... Yeah, or he, Owen didn't beat him, he broke his neck. Yeah.
0: How so he that? he did not pin him, the match just ended, but...
1: Yep. Nevertheless, I mean... You know, yeah. Aside so. from Steve Austin's career ending five years later, well, he was all right. Yeah.
0: So, In this fact, one I think on 24...
1: 24- oh, go ahead. Well, let's say he was quite good after this, actually. But, yeah. And, um, uh...
0: This show actually is airing or just aired on 24/7, so maybe you can catch it. I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd recommend checking it out.
1: Mankind jumps off the cage like Jimmy Snuka. That's right. Not the best uh, Mankind Triple H match, but a good no, one.
0: No, not at all. Maybe <laughs> like number seven. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, that is uh,
0: 10 SummerSlams. So I think this is a good time as any to call a break to this show. And uh, unless you have any more on the first decade of SummerSlam. I'm
1: going to say to the listeners out there, if you thought this was a big party of the summer, wait until the next show.
0: That's right. So that wait until part two.
1: An even bigger party of the
0: summer. Oh, yeah. No summertime blues here.
1: Ain't no cure for em.
0: All right. So on that note, we will be back very soon with part two. And uh, I thank you for listening. And I will talk to you soon.